Check one, two, one, two, one, two. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Merry Good. Christmas. Don't say happy holidays. It is. I, yeah, I am so anti happy holiday. Oh, so much. Oh, God. The Penn, Ohio Go Go Bungalow radio show brought to you by G&J Fencing. I hate, and you the know what? War on Christmas. Give me a break. If you go through my computer and if you look at my files, anything that I've done during the Christmas season. Yes. I've never ever abbreviated a file that says Xmas. Go. Oh, ooh, you're not an X person either. No. Very nice. I'm not. I have I, I I have to my guilt and my need to be in a rush sometimes. You use the X cuz I'm sorry, Jesus. I, I try to always. Jesus. I will actually stop what I'm typing. Go Jesus. And then think it's it through. It's your birthday. Go, Jesus, and think, it's your birthday. I guess it's kind of like a superstition thing, maybe. But I, I just refuse to write Xmas. Good. We should all adopt that policy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I think about Christmas a lot. It's a I, very important holiday in my family. You know, mine too. Well, you know, I'm Italian and Greek, and my mother was an amazing cook. So, you know, the my mother... <clears throat> broke my grandparents' heart on the Greek side when she decided to convert to Catholicism when she married my father many men, 1960. And, uh, I mean, literally broke her mother's heart that she didn't get married in the Greek church. So, okay, it moves on. And now, technically, even though I'm half Greek, I'm more Italian because now I'm Roman Catholic. And my mother, uh, who was an amazing cook in her own right, learned a lot from my Italian grandmother and, of course, Seven Fishes every Christmas Eve, Manicotti every Christmas Day. And it was an, it's an event in my family, and it continues to this day because my wife is an amazing cook, and we do the same thing. You know, we don't, uh, you know, we just jump around and mix it up as long as there's seven total. There's got to be seven. I'm not, I know there's history behind it, but it's seven. If you do eight, you go to hell. You do know that. I, I did know that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And if it's nine, you actually, the Grim Reaper shows up and you don't even, I mean, he just yanks you right out of your house. That was one of those little subversive uh, mob tactics. Ooh. I remember back in the day that uh, the Goombas would come to the house and so, throw an eighth fish on your Christmas and then the whole ta- the table done. was the, it's done. the Malouk. Oh. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think about all that stuff, and then when growing up, all right, let's talk about real Christmas trees for a moment. Somehow, my mother, back in the day, got it in her head that, you know, it, you can't just put the Christmas tree up and decorate it. You got There's got to be prep work, and my mother's prep work was flocking the tree. And mm-hmm. middle class Americans don't have the professional flockers. You gotta go to you gotta go to Kmart. Which is remember <laughs> Kmart? <laughs> remember Kmart? So you go to Kmart and you buy these Hex. cans. You buy these aerosol cans of fake snow. Right. Right. So it was my job to spray 
this beautiful fresh tree and you spray it and spray it and you cover it with this flock, which absolutely suffocates it because, you know, it can't breathe now and it, how's it going to suck up water? But no, you had to flock the tree. And I wonder to this day, that aerosol and that flock, it's got to be, it had to be carcinogenic. Oh, I'm absolutely. Gonna, I'm going to die. We did not have that in the home. My, my, I could, my dad was an art teacher. Yeah. Yeah, you know that. Okay, so my dad my dad was a marine sergeant turned art professor is how I describe him. Okay. Um well that's an interesting Very 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 conservative I'd love but, to be in that class. But very flamboyant in his own in his own way. Um I'm sure we'll talk about this in days and shows and years to come, but he's he's a he's a pretty he's a very unique and very interesting uh man. I'm very proud that he's my father. Um, but anyway, th- there was always the annual, and it went on for years, battle between my mom and my dad as to how they wanted the Christmas tree. Oh, geez. Direct, you know, uh, decorated. Bottom line is my dad won out. My mom just fine. He just wore her down. Now, my dad will describe it as, you know, would do you want me decorating the tree or you decorating the tree who drew a flower once and it looked like a spider standing on one leg nice you know so that kind of ended the argument and then dad has been and he still is i mean he starts he starts organizing everything you know early in the year and little by little it starts to creep into the house as soon as thanksgiving is over it really starts to oh yeah and he does create a very magical and very decorative christmas nice and they've learned to work as a team now over the years right they've been married for 94 right that's in. So I, I miss the I miss the real tree, and I I've I've had to sacrifice the real tree for the love of my wife, because when we first started dating, five well God almost ten years ago. I had my real tree up, and this is the first Christmas that her and I were together. So I I get the tree. Me and my boys go get it, and sometimes we'll go cut it down. Some years we'll just buy it from a lot. But no matter what, it was always a real tree. So I put it up. Me and the boys decorated it. It looks fantastic. I'm taking pictures, putting it up on Facebook. So proud. And then Cheryl comes over one day. The day, like the first time she came over after the tree was up, we get in the house and we're sitting there. And all of a sudden, I look over to her and her eyes are starting to swell up and her nose is running. And and I go, oh my God. And she goes, and I. I go, I hate to say this, but I'm allergic to pine. Boom. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I've had a real tree since I've been an infant. And now, so the next year comes up. And by this time, I've asked her to move in with me. So now it's looking, uh, now we're shopping for the, the fake tree. My, so we always had a real tree. Um, my dad made the... Clark Griswold family <laughs> Christmas outing every year. What was cool about where we lived was that we um, lived about a quarter of a mile uh, from the Christmas tree farm, the Muha farm, nice. Muha Lane, just down the road from my mom and dad. So nice. dad had a small tractor, and of course we had a cart, and then every year the kids, we would dress up and load up into the cart and dad would drive us off into the woods and we would cut the tree I mean, it was courier and ives norman rockwell all the way and then bring the tree home and then the 
argument would start as to whether or not the tree was too big. Oh, geez. You know, and oh, God, how it that needed was, and where it needed to be positioned. That was the, that's yeah. an empty spot. And But by the time everything was done and everything was in place, it was always, always a beautiful, beautiful tree. Nice. Now, as a kid, the one thing that we did was the tinsel. Oh, you were, tinsel? Tins- you were a tinsel person. We were that's a tinsel family. My dad liked the hanging tinsel. Interesting. I never liked it. No. I never liked it. It's that. almost as bad as glitter because it never goes away. You find that shit all over the house for like a year. <laughs> and then, well, and if you have pets. Oh, cats. Pulling it out you of ima- them, I couldn't even imagine. You know, through February. Yeah. Usually the last strand is coming out about Valentine's Day. They're like Day. shitting them out of them. Yeah, they're pulling them out here. Oh, there's another one. Oh, and that's exactly right. Memories of the holidays. I know. Um, then we had an aunt and uncle because, of course, the the I mean, the uh, Christmas specials, which are still still near and dear to my heart. Um, the one being, of course, top of the list: peanuts and a peanuts Christmas. Oh, I love the peanuts Christmas. And we had an aunt and uncle that were a little bit more modern. She was, you know, my aunt was a quite a bit my mother's youngest sister. Okay. And uh, they had a tree, one of those full aluminum trees in the basement. No that way. That turned. Oh. And they had one of those color wheels. That was my introduction to light shows oh my as a little God. kid and the I color mean, wheel. I mean, that's so retro. And again, we could, we could talk. I mean, there's so many avenues you could go down. <clears throat> but this was the day and age when people really didn't give a damn about child safety. And I remember my cousin once at one point, she was decorating the tree once one year and was up on a small ladder or something and fell into the tree and the tree hit oh. took out her eye. Oh, jeez. But um, yeah, that, that color wheel in the corner and, and the tree would turn and the tree would turn oh, colors and it wow. had one color bulb on it, you know. Oh, God. I think they were blue. <laughs> it was just, uh, yeah. And now, let me ask you this. Me being the Western Pennsylvania Amish kid, you being the big city boy from... Oh, big city. From Little Chicago. Oh, my God. Murder Town, USA. Murder Town, USA. Y-Town, Youngstown. Um, Did you guys ever do the pilgrimage and come over here to Cranax? Oh, yeah. Did you? Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, Cranax was a thing. Yeah. Still is. Yeah. My my youngest son had a a severe... Santa allergy. He would see Santa Claus and he'd lose his shit. And no, I'm not going there. I'm not sitting in his lap. Right. I mean, like, meh, tantrum, like fists on the ground. Like, no, we're not taking this picture. So in my Christmas photo album, if if you want to call it video or whatever, of years past, I don't have those pictures. Okay. Of the kids on Santa's lap. It, It just didn't happen. I mean, it's they believed in Santa, but that Santa at Cranax, to to my youngest son at through two, three, four years old, it, he was a serial killer. <laughs> I'm not sitting on his lap. He's got a he's got a van in the back, and I'm never going to be seen again. It, we were one of those. So we were one of those families that you had the the santa it wasn't like so i knew kids that went everywhere and went and sat on every santa's lap oh no where my mom and dad there was one santa and you know yeah you could wave at the other santas 
But, oh. but there's one Santa that you go to see, and that was the Santa at the mall. Which, what, the Shenango? So it was the Shenango okay. Mall, back when it actually, right. you know, played music and people right. smiled and laughed. And right. Now it's just a, I know. No. a scene out of a... It got to the point where we just gave up on even, we just walked by that line. <laughs> okay. It didn't do the line. Keep walking. <clears throat> yeah. That's okay. He's coming. The thing that I remember about Cranax that I love, that was part of the magic, of course, then I'm one of those, I, I don't know. I just, I, I like sensory. I like immersion right. type, type things. Not virtual reality, real stuff. And I remember going through one of the neat things about Cranax is you started out, you remember, in the gift area, and in the, in the shopping, the retail area, and you entered into this cave. And as you got further along, as you got further back, the humidity would rise. Nice. And so that by the time you got back to Santa Claus, you were right on the cusp of all of the greenhouses that were just full of poinsettias. Right. Yeah, I remember that. And the image of that and that Santa sitting there. Yeah, in that back corner, right by like, the greenhouse. Yeah, I remember that distinctly. Yeah, but we never went and sat on that Santa's lap. No. He we had to go to the mall. Interesting. That is really interesting. That was my first introduction to bourbon. Oh, Mike. Oh, okay. oh well. Uh, I was always driving, so the drinking and driving with your kids, I actually had to draw the line at. But yeah. I just, I think about. No, I meant the Santa. Oh, being the, oh, yes. You did, yes. I still to this day am frightened by a bourbon-stained beard. Oh, my God. Oh. Awesome. Oh. What are your karaoke Christmas memories? Since we've been on this, as, as we're practicing this and working this out and just well, sitting here chatting with I, one another. I have a rule. Oh, I just noticed your hippy-dippy Santa sweatshirt. You like this. I wish we were. That this is, is a video groovy. cast. Isn't it groovy? We'll save it next year. Well, it's on my Facebook page from okay. when I did the Christmas tree lighting in downtown Warren, which was an absolute blast this past weekend. I had such a great time. We did Christmas karaoke. And that leads us back into what you just asked me. I have a rule that you cannot sing Christmas songs till after December 1st. It's not an after Thanksgiving thing. It's I respect that. I, and I think sure. it's fair. Mm -hmm. And back in the day. It's also respectful of Thanksgiving. Back in the day when I used to have songbooks. Right. There were no Christmas musics in them. So I would print out a special <clears throat> sheet with all my Christmas music. And okay. It, and it would, I'd slip, insert it into my books right. on December 1st. And you, then you go for it, you know. But now it's... Uh, If I, you know, it's bad enough that we have to hear Mariah Carey everywhere we go in malls and stores and whatnot. Which wrecked her career. Oh, yeah. yeah, they <laughs> it completely did. wrecked it. It really wrecked her Barrier. career. But now I have to hear people sing it. And that's, oh, yeah. And did they try to do the fluttering with the hand oh, and going up and down? Dude, and... They try. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, but I, I enjoy the Christmas music because there's so many fun Christmas songs. You know, you know, grand, you know, the rain, grandpa got run over by reindeer and little Saint Nick, and there's all kinds of fun. And then I've got this one guy that comes to my show every year that sings the Hanukkah song because uh -huh. I have that on karaoke. So, you know, you get a little bit of that and that because I love that song and he actually nails it and it's great. So. There's moments of, of distinct joy when certain songs get picked. 
and then you'll get the one super great singer who'll come up and do Josh Groban's Oh Holy Night, and he just tears the roof off the place. And uh-huh. the, you know, next thing you know, people are lighting candles and getting ready to go back to church. <laughs> and there, I mean, he converts people on the spot. But it's it's good it's good stuff. I don't actually do. I thought about this. I guess it should it would be a good idea. One night I'm gonna have to do an all Christmas karaoke show. It's hard to do for four hours. I was just sitting here thinking about because the way you were describing it, the lit candles and stuff. Could you do a respectful, but yet like a candlelight karaoke show to celebrate the holiday? Uh, you know what? I mean, I think um, <clears throat> in today's world, and make it a dressed event. Oh God! You got to get these kids to dress up a little bit. There come. you go. And then pass the plate, run out the back door. <laughs> I, I like the passing the plate part. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like I, I make a decent living doing karaoke. You do, but I put I started putting out uh, right after COVID. I a guy comes to my show. I'm, I'm at the Ice House on a Friday night, and it's right by the truck stop there on 80, and we get this trucker comes in with this cowboy hat and his boots, and you know he's got an act. You know, you could tell he's from, like, the South. Comes, hey, I heard there's karaoke in that. I really love singing karaoke. And he, I give him a slip, and he fills it out, come up, blah, blah, blah. He comes up to sing. At the end of the song, he goes, hey, where's your tip jar? And, I mean, 30 years of karaoke, I never even thought thought of that idea Mm -hmm. and i'm going i don't have one he goes what are you kidding me so he walks off stage and some other girl comes up and sings and he she gets done singing all of a sudden i see him walking back towards me and he's got one of those metal bud light buckets they Mm -hmm. use for bucket night sure and he's got it in his hand and he walks up and he goes and he the girl finishes singing and i'm talking to the audience and he walks up on stage and walks up to the mic completely unannounced and i'm going what the hell's going on but i had an idea in the back of my head he goes hey now you know down south we tip our karaoke hosts and this is a bucket and you're going to start putting money in this thing and i ended up making an extra 40 bucks that night it was like what light bulbs because Mm -hmm. i mean with the economy the way it is and everyone well i think it's a lot better than it was a couple a year or so ago no people are still bitching about food prices but gas is beautiful but we're not going to go into that um but the being able to make a little extra income, especially during the holidays, is fantastic. There was an environment um, back in the middle of our careers or whatever. So say go back to the nineties, okay, even in, up until the early two thousands. I'm doing karaoke, being a club DJ or whatever. Right. It was kind of uncouth to put out a tip I, jar. Yeah, I know. There was no, um, no one ever did that around here. Not to mention, as a DJ, if you put a tip jar out, then I mean, come on. People had the attitude, if I'm going to put a couple bucks in, then you're going to do what I want you to do. Uh-huh. So you just sort of avoided that. And so it sort of became cool because I got tipped regularly. I didn't make a ton of money, but it was always that Goomba thing again where somebody uh, would come oh. up and do the handshake and hand you a couple of bucks and say, hey, I appreciate you. Well, that's how the Simply Ed $20 <clears throat> rule got started way, way back when. Simply a $20 rule is you give me 20 bucks, you're the next singer, no matter what the rotation oh, is. Oh, I remember you doing that. That's brilliant. Yeah, and then it started off. Then I started calling it the Simply a Diaper Fund when I had my first child. And then as my kids got older, we called it the Simply Ed College Fund. 
And it, 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 it gets like Irish Bob's. It used to get out of hand. I mean, I, one night, one night at Irish Bob's, the place was so packed that I ended up making about two hundred extra dollars that night because everybody couldn't, they didn't want to wait to sing. Right, exactly. Which I, I'm not going to say no to twenty bucks. You were ahead of Disney. I know that, but the, the Goomba <laughs> thing is how it all started. Yeah, they yeah. come up and. No, this guy comes up to me one night, and he, and I know him, and we're not going to name right. names. No, no. And I know who he is, and I know who his associates is, and I know what he does. Our kneecaps are bad enough. Yeah, the way they I are. mean, we're gonna, you know, he 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 was in a, a retail business, <laughs> a, a late night retail business, uh-huh. and he comes up to me, and he's got this little yellow duck, <clears throat> and I'm looking, I goes, hey. Come here. I got something for you. He hands me this yellow duck. He goes, you need a mascot. This is your new mascot. And he goes, go, I'm going to sing right now. I go, what do you mean you're going to sing right now? He goes, and he whips out a 20. He goes, you going to let me sing next? I go, absolutely. And that's how this all got started. But the, the yellow duck, he had a little black baseball hat that was turned backwards. And he had little black fake sungla- sunglasses. Like, it looked like a rapper. That little yellow duck sat on my equipment. He goes, anytime I come to this show, I expect to see that duck. You know, you get a little, you get that little chill up, the, a little, yeah. the chill up the back of your spine going, that sounded like a threat. <laughs> when I first started working with Bob, Bobby, and God rest his soul, uh, I guess we're going to say it every single show. Every time. Well, yeah, we should honor him every show because we wouldn't be sitting here without him. No. Um, but he had me over at the boat yard. This is after I started with Mickey, and we were doing the Jimmy Buffett nights. And then it was the summer broke, you know. And then they Mickey had added on to his patio out there on Belmont Avenue. And uh, I went one evening and said, uh, uh, he hired me one evening to go out there and play music on the patio. It was the very first night that I, I went. I think I took my brother, who was underage, at that time, I know he went there a couple times with me to, you know, watch the patio frivolity. But the first night that I worked there, um, we still had vinyl, and you know, Bobby had those crates full of vinyl yep. and everything set up, a couple of turntables, and a CD player. Nice. And he just let me know at the end. He goes, "Oh, by the way, Tennessee Ernie Ford, you yeah, fifteen tons. Yeah, it's it's in there." And that's all he said to me. So by the evening, got going along, you know, and there's this Goomba who ordered me. I think I know the last name. But anyway, dude sitting over there. It was the stereotype. Sure. Big guy, big chain. Oh, yeah. Couple of other guys hanging around him and like three or four beautiful girls. And his arms are out and everything else. And at one point, he yelled, he yelled, hey, DJ. (laughs) And I just acknowledged him. And he just motioned with his finger. And immediately, one of the girls got up, and she walked right over to me, and she handed me $50. And she said, he wants you to play his song. I don't know where it came from. I am not savvy in any way, shape, or form. But all of a sudden, it hit me. Bobby Tombo told me, hey, Tennessee Ernie Ford. That was 15, the song 16 times. in the middle of you playing all this dance uh, music. I, I remember he wants. Even what I was playing. I was playing Yes, Owner of a Lonely Heart, I believe, was the song. I was out there playing, 
And as soon as that song was over, I went into Tennessee Ernie oh, Ford. Nice segue, Dana. And they Dana. all got up and they danced and they goofed and he had the best time. And I never heard. And then from that point forward, that whole summer, it would be the same thing. He would wave his hand. Little bunny. And she would come up and he'd hand, hand me a $50 bill and I would play Tennessee Ernie Ford. Wow. Yeah. I love that. It's a. It's, you can't make that stuff up. I know. Don't know what it was about that song, but to watch a big something out of the Sopranos, mm -hmm. and he got the biggest kick out of and he seemed to really enjoy that song and sang it. This is before karaoke, of course. Right. Sang it at the top of his lungs. Yeah. So it had some sort of significance. I would love to know that backstory. To that business gentleman. Crash. You know, we were talking about Christmas music. We're talking about different Christmas traditions. Um, you and I have had a couple of conversations and we've never ventured into this area about one hit wonders and songs that we hate. And I can't remember, I don't have my notes with me. We've kind of been playing around with an idea about, and you and I immediately start arguing about songs that we hate. Right. Where you usually like it. I hate it. Something that you hate. I sure. like Christmas music. I'm going to, I'm, we're, we're going to. Everybody puts up lists about Christmas um, movies. You right. know, is this like Die Hard? Is this a Christmas movie? Is it not? All that kind of stuff. But then I don't see many lists about Christmas songs that are hated. And I have two. Okay. <clears throat> Number one is Feliz Navidad. Ooh. It has nothing to do with it being South American because I love Calypso. I love South American sure. Christmas music. I just hate that song. Interesting. And it's probably because it was played everywhere. I remember that song always on at the mall, and it right. seemed like it was always every third song. And it was Jolice, uh, or, uh, Felice, uh, what was his name? Jose, Jose Feliciano. Feliciano. Yeah. And the first radio station I worked at, which was this little country station at Christmas time, it seemed like it was the third song it was always on. The other one that I didn't come to know because I'm an Amish kid from Western Pennsylvania, but I never knew until I was an adult was Dominic the Donkey. Oh, come on, I Dana! Hate that song. It, it's it's hateable. It's very hateable. It it is. Um, it is. It is. Are there any now, Mariah Carey? I, I love the fact that she no. sang the song, and I actually now enjoy. The song because there are so many memes that are just slamming her. Oh, okay. From that so point of that, view, that does. Uh... I think uh, I have a little problem with "I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas." I got a little bit of a problem with that one. To say I actually have a a Christmas song that I hate, that's a tough one for me because I just love Christmas so much. I do too. I mean, there. It, so the list would be very. It's it's pretty hard. Um, the the we are the world people or whatever. It's Christmas time. Christmas oh, don't bring up that song. Don't don't bring up don't bring up we okay. are the world. And you're gonna play it anyway. God, I love you. Hey, I'm trying to find a way to like this. The donkey, jing -a -jing, the Italian Christmas donkey. La 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 la. la, la. I would just like to say that I have absolutely nothing against the Italian race. <laughs> Santa's got a little friend. His name is Dominic, the cutest little donkey. Now, I've never, never deep... I, I, maybe you know. I don't know the history behind this. No, I don't song. either. 
I have no idea. I've never even sat down and researched the, the lyrics to it. But I have to tell There's you. There's got to be a story behind it. When someone requests it, they're usually Italian is what's really mm -hmm. funny. You don't see a blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy come up and request Dominic the donkey. It's usually a nice olive-skinned, Mediterranean-looking girl or guy that says, because mm -hmm. they probably grew up with it. Yeah. Yeah. About as ethnic as we got in our house was Dean Martin. Oh, wow. Little Nat King Cole. Okay. You know, um, Mario Lanza. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then there, of course, was Fred Waring oh, well, and the all-male chorus. I know. I, I grew up with all the Dagos. Perry, <laughs> Perry Como. Love and, Perry Como. Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra. Um, my dad just like I mean, my dad had Frank Sinatra seventy eights. Wow, that are still somewhere. I don't know where they're at. I think my dad has them still. One day I'll. You know you can't. It, you know you can't even play a seventy eight on a, a record player anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. No, it's terrible. You'd have to buy. <laughs> you'd have to buy an old or go to the library and yeah, exactly. borrow. You know, I or the know. local museum. I did find, um, you saw I bought these rugs, got yes. a couple of accoutrements for here, and it was thrifting, a uh, really nice little store up the street, and um, damned if they don't have an old set, I mean, literally mid-70s, and they're in beautiful condition, wood box, realistic speakers. Oh, my God. I right mean, from radio 70, I'm, yeah. The shack. I miss the shack. Yeah. I used to get so many doodads and kajinguses and remember the uh, the wood speakers with the wood lattice work on yeah, the front and yeah. the nice yeah nice nice and they they're nice shapes. So I'm thinking about a little vintage yeah nice that no bass sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a bass guitar in this track. Oh, like, where was the kick drum? Yeah. <laughs> All mid range, uh, exactly, and 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 we thought that was the greatest thing ever. I mean, I remember as I started growing older, and I had a friend down the street who was a little bit of an audiophile for that time of the seventies. I remember the day, and this is Christmas related because for Christmas, his parents bought him some of those Moran. Remember Morants? Oh yeah. I don't know where it was from, maybe mm -hmm. Sears or J.C. Penney or whatever. And he got these really, actually nice Moran speakers that actually had a little bit of a nice size speaker. It was one of the first speakers ever back in the day that actually got ported in the bottom to let some of the bass out. Right. And you increased the bass frequency of the speaker. And it was a very innovative design for that time. And I remember the first time I went over there and actually heard a record that, and he played it through these speakers in his little bedroom. And it was just me and him sitting there on the floor, Indian style, with these speakers six feet away from us. And we turned that up. And for the first time in my life, I really heard music as it was meant to be heard with low end. Mm -hmm. And it was a game changer. Yeah. Game changer. Um, same thing in my life. My best friend was a couple years older than me. His brother was a couple years older than him and was still at home. He had a career, but his parents were like hip. They lived in a split level. So they were, you know, they were new to the area. Ooh. <clears throat> so the lower level, 
uh, next to the garage, they had converted this, the older brother. He had his own, like, bachelor pad. So he had his own entrance and exit, which was just really, really cool. And he was the, I mean, very, he, it, it was like it was decorated by Playboy magazine. Oh, I can, I okay, can only so imagine. The art was incredibly cool. He had plants in his room. You know, everything was uh, like mid-century modern. But he had a Pioneer, and I mean a really high-end Pioneer stereo system. And then also had a wall with all of his albums. And the first album that I heard, uh, the first song that I heard out of a stereo system like that, that just was a game changer, uh, was Van Halen. Oh, um, yeah. And I'm trying to remember. Probably Cradle Rock. I mean, that whole, I right. can't think what album that is now, top of my head. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, my God. Yeah. You game know. changer. Yeah. I think what Chris put on his record player that day was Yes. My buddy Chris was a huge, he was like obsessed with Yes. Good choice. Yeah. And then after that, we put on some Rush. And it was like, this is, the, I mean, 2112, which is one of the my favorite Rush albums. And it's just like, we're listening to this music with a full range of, of a full range speaker. And it was like, I didn't know music could sound like this. Yeah. And he was also the first person to turn me on to headphones, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, same thing here. Yeah, Dave was because big headphone guys. That was when they were big bulbs. And yeah. they had knobs. Well, in the 70s, in the, I mean, and even, well, even before that, because they only had four tracks, and they had to learn how to use get multiple instruments on four tracks and, you know, and... Um, and do all this like Beatles were so innovative with using only four tracks and turning it into like it was like a 16 track I don't know how they did it but Martin was amazing but I when the headphones turned me on to mixing I mean to put on like a Pink Floyd album and just mm-hmm. put the headphones on and hear there's stuff in your right ear and stuff in your left ear and there's stuff panning and there's and it's like behind it, you in front of you yeah where you could hear the vo- and the vocal track sounds like it's in between your eyes even though the headphones are here on your ears when you close your eyes all the vocals like right in front of your face and then you hear background vocals that are way in the back in the left and right ear and the the stuff i was in i got introduced to at that age was what made me really fall in love with music and had a lot to do with headphones so I was geeked out on all this stuff as a kid. I learned a little bit, worked a little bit in radio, knew a little bit about, I mean, in high school I was working in radio. So I knew a little bit about recording and then um, ended up at Disney. And I remember the first time I was sitting in a production meeting, we were going through sound sound effects for something. And I had a set of headphones on and these Disney produced sound effects. And they were doing things like they, uh, they would have a barber um, cutting hair. And so you're sitting there with these headphones on and the, and the scissors, you could hear it clipping. And not only hear, but you could feel it. And oh, it was clipping all that's amazing, over isn't your it? head. It would go from left to right. I mean, you, and you would literally get the sensation that there was a barber standing there cutting your hair. And then you hear him put the scissors away and they'd reach over and they'd grab a hair dryer. And, and then, he the started blowing, and- then he started blowing the hair and blowing the hair. And honest to God, you could feel the wind in yeah. your ears. I was blown away. That was as... That was a religious experience for me. I can imagine. You know, and this is 1980, you know, 85. Right. <clears throat> and I, it just, it, it just funny that, and now you look where things are. Oh, I know. I love going to the movies. You know, I go to Tinseltown 
and I and I always sit in a certain row at Tinseltown mm-hmm. because if you if you are an audiophile of any type, to get the full effect of the surround sound mm-hmm. and, the, and and hearing the back speakers and. My, you got to sit in a certain row to experience that full sound, especially About a third of the way up, oh, right yeah. in the middle. Yeah, well, it's 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 golden. It's like yeah. a sweet spot. We went and saw. So I don't go. I was thinking about this before when you were on your way over here. A couple things we could talk about. One of which was um, I've been to see the theater to see two movies in the last probably easy to say five years. It's probably what been is longer. Your problem. Uh, I, I miss the movie experience. I haven't been in a movie theater in years oh, where yeah. there was more than two or three people there. Uh, I know. Well, I like to go when it's not busy. I like to let a movie run for two weeks and then go when there's only 20 or 30 people because you get to pick your seat. You it honestly, you're not fighting. The only Well, and, and the other thing is, too, is do I want to waste my time and money on, eh. I, mean, I you know, you've seen one Marvel movie, you've seen them all. That's I hate uh, to be like that. Well, but it just got don't get me point. started. I they, love them. I do too. I do too. But they've just oversaturated that stuff. Oh, but here, sorry. So I went and saw. In fact, it's standing here in the room. I went and we went and saw Asteroid City. Yeah, great which movie. Which was again a great cinema experience. I love that, that movie. big screen and yeah, it was yep. so much fun. This past weekend we went and saw Napoleon. Yes, Cheryl and I went and saw it too. <laughs> Wasn't it amazing on the big screen? I loved it. It was amazing. Historically, on the nose. I haven't jumped into reading. Oh, there's a couple of yeah. yeah. Well, that, I, they I, always take their. I went home and, and googled clamping stories together. <laughs> went home I'm, and googled. I, you know, which is a shame, and, and especially when they had three hours to do it. Right. I was hesitant to go because I didn't know if I wanted to sit in the theater for three hours. And uh, let me tell you, it went by. Right. It, it was. It totally, totally riveting. Grabbed. Me. Yeah. I didn't even know. I couldn't believe it was over when it was over because I lost track of time. The movie sucked me in so much. Now, you and I know each other better than anybody, and you know that I'm not a prude. Okay. But the sex scenes, why? They weren't even. I just don't understand. Yeah. Especially when we live in a a day and age of of Pornhub and everything else where it's just everywhere. Right. Unless it really has something to do, do we really have to see? Oops. <laughs> That's a great segue. To change the subject. <laughs> Oops. I, that was that was very funny. I love the the accidental left click that was completely and totally accidental. i love it that that's was gonna, fantastic that's gonna come off as being some sort of comedic brilliance and that was well sometimes that's the best kind oh. when you walk into something and it's so funny but you don't realize that was the only said. thing about the movie that disappointed me it was like why did we need those two scenes right of jack rabbit rules i know it was just yeah okay that's all I, know. I just wanted to see. There was that. a lot of like rear, rear entry that's sex in that movie. That's no, all it was. He was so desperate Don't even to take have the clothes off. I know, yeah, but just getting that, the job done. Yeah. So there's a lion that walking through the jungle, and he walks out and he comes upon a river, and he's really thirsty. So he goes to the river and he starts drinking and he's so relieved that his tail shoots straight up in the air. Well, right on the edge of the jungle, there's a gorilla who sees this lion. He's got his tail up in the air, and the gorilla's getting all spicy. 
And he decides to run up on this lion with a boner and he plows right into the back of the lion and starts humping him. And the lion freaks out. They separate. The lion turns and looks at him and goes, you're going to die. So the gorilla freaks out and runs back into the jungle. Lion is chasing him and he's losing his mind. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. And he comes upon an, an encampment of like, uh, like explorers or something, you know, and he sees on, there's a clothesline. And he see, he grabs a pair of khaki pants and he puts them on, grabs a shirt, puts it on, and then runs over by a fire and sits down on a rock. And he grabs a newspaper that's laying there and he puts it over in front of his face to hide his face. And the lion runs into the encampment, looking around, looking for the gorilla. And he goes to this guy sitting there. He goes, hey, did you see a gorilla run through here? And the gorilla pulls down the thing just enough that his eyes show. And he goes, oh, you mean the gorilla that just humped that lion over by the river? And the lion goes, you mean it's already in the paper? <laughs> hey, jingity jing. It's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing. The Italian Christmas donkey. There you go. That's my joke of the day. That was a Norm MacDonald inspired joke if I ever heard right. one. Right. Somebody was in great. the paper? Oh, my God. <laughs> mm. Okay. All right. Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas, my friend. Are you coming friend. over next week? Yes, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah, so yeah. we'll see each other before. We I know. Leave. It'll be our last show. No, wait. No, it won't be our last show before the new year. No, we'll have two more programs Yes, we will. Year. I love you, buddy. I love you, too. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. The Penn, Ohio, Go Go Bungalow radio show brought to you by G&J Fencing. Jingity-jing. The Italian Christmas donkey. La, la, la. <laughs>